Hi, my name is Jamie, and I am a depressed optimist. After years of having a bad attitude, I decided that I wanted to at least try and change that. While I don't have it all figured out, this is an opportunity to come along with me as I make my way. On this podcast, I'll get a little personal, a little emotional, and a little analytical so that I can have hope, get shit done, and find happiness. Because today is as good as any other. I am happy to announce that you are now listening to a podcaster with a college degree. As of the recording of this episode, I am one week out of my undergraduate degree, and I honestly didn't expect a lot of the thoughts and feelings, emotions, and questions that I've seen come up in my own life just in this past week of being a graduate, which is partially why I wanted to make this episode. I am perhaps having the classic millennial or maybe not so classic post-grad existential crisis, even as I recognize my privilege of being one of the really lucky people that gets to jump right out of a college education and into a career path and a stable, steady job that I really love and I'm really excited to work at. And while also recognizing that privilege, I also am coming to terms with recognizing the fact that this position is something that I earned and something that I worked really hard for and something that I deserve to enjoy for myself. And with that acknowledgement, I think it's also really important to think about the fact that post-grad life has the potential to look really different for everybody for a number of reasons. And no matter if you are unemployed and moving back in with your parents because of the state of the economy, or if you're jumping straight into a full-time career that feels like it's putting a ton of pressure on you to succeed, graduating college brings on a ton of life changes. And while I've noticed a lot of changes in myself just in this past week as I prepare to go into a full-time job that I'm really excited about, I've also noticed the way that life can change a lot for so many of my friends that graduated the year prior and have been spending this past calendar year adjusting to a brand new normal that doesn't involve sitting in a classroom. And I, the humble warrior that I am, know that maybe a lot of those people have a little bit more wisdom to offer this situation than I perhaps do a week post-grad. I personally feel like the year mark is a pretty great place to maybe start examining some of these life changes because you're not so far out of college that you feel out of touch with the experiences that you had in undergrad, but you're still close enough to notice a lot of the big differences and the ways that your life has shifted. And maybe, just maybe, you might have gained a little bit more perspective and learned a little bit more with that year. And when I start to think about that, one of the first people that always pops into my head with this topic of conversation is one of my best friends, Miranda. I think that she has a great perspective on examining life post-grad. She even has a YouTube video about it, and I'll link that in the podcast description. To give you a little more insight about her, Miranda Natalia is a self-described God-loving woman in pursuit of an unapologetic life. I met her as a lively, dedicated classmate, and now I know her as an intelligent, charismatic, and curious student of life. Dedicated to her career, her church, and all else that inspires her, she's a young professional who, one year out from her college degree, balances a full-time job, ministry work, a YouTube channel, and planning a wedding. And she herself might not tell you this, but she is a brilliant writer. 
here in conversation about post-grad life and stumbling and thriving through it, please welcome Miranda Natalia. Welcome, Miranda. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. So I have told my listeners a little bit about you. What do you think are some of the biggest lessons, takeaways, pieces of your life that have changed maybe in this year post-grad? So I'll, I'll start with kind of the last question that you posed with what's the biggest change So a little bit background, I loved being a student, and that's not necessarily a popular feeling, especially when you're so close to graduating or have just graduated. It feels kind of a relief uh, to be out of school, but for me, I love the classroom. I would be a professional student that if I could be. That said, I think the biggest change and the biggest lesson for me was learning to shift that passion for being a student or even the fact that so much of my identity was being a student into real life, quote unquote. I remember like one of the big things that I remember us talking about was the fact that you felt really passionate about school and really passionate about being a student. So how do you feel like you were able to transfer some of those things like what do you what did that look like for you for me especially at first it took on really pragmatic forms so I started taking classes whether that was online or in person I tried a salsa class I did some digital marketing classes for some personal development and learning google ads because that's something that I had to tackle at my job that I didn't have experience with for example and that really helped. So I, I quite literally just found different types of classrooms that weren't necessarily on a college campus. So that's what it looked like at first. It was just saying, okay, I am eager and desperate to keep learning something, even if it's not literature or communications, which is what my major was. Uh, but I need to get back into a classroom. More recently, I think it's been taking that curiosity that I embodied in the classroom and allowing it to transcend to every part of my life. So being willing to ask questions, whether that's at work, uh, something a little less like being in a classroom where I really learned to be a student again is in my relationships. I took time to better get to know my parents, my fiance, uh, even my church family and getting to know their dreams and their hopes and studying the people I love. That's kind of how I dealt with that in in different ways. That's beautiful. So I feel like a lot of people can go a couple of ways with that. I feel like I was kind of a lukewarm middle when it came to graduating that I wasn't like feeling that same like zest of I'm gonna miss this so much with leaving the classroom but I also wasn't feeling that super intense I must get out of here right now or else I will die which I know a lot of people (laughs) feel as well. But I think that there is sort of this resounding post-grad passion and identity gap that people can feel when they leave college of not being able to latch on to the things that they're learning and the things that they're studying. Do you think that you felt like that not really knowing who you are anymore post-grad? What did that manifest as in your life? So yes, I think the post-grad identity crisis is huge and something that a lot of people experience, but they don't talk about. For me, it 
it was really difficult because I went straight from high school into higher education into my bachelor's degree. So effectively for my entire conscious life, I had been a student Mm -hmm. and I had to find myself in that way, whether that was on my passport application or introducing myself to people as, hi, Miranda Alvarez, I'm a student here and I study this. It took me some time to even think about myself outside of those terms. After I graduated, so much of my first couple of months at work was meeting new people. And even then, when I introduced myself, yes, I said my job title and my organization, but even then I was, I'm a recent grad. I studied this and these were my experiences and that's how I got here. And so much of that was still integrated into the fact that I was a student not too long ago and all of my even work experience was related to internships and being a student at different organizations. Some ways that I combated that, one, I was really forced to get back to the things that I enjoy that maybe I didn't give myself time for while I was a student. So I had mentioned dancing and taking those salsa classes was a huge part of that and saying, okay, yes, I love being a student. Yes, I study these things, but there's more to my personality than a major and saying, okay, I'm going to get back to the root of my passions. So if I enjoy being a student, I'm going to be a student of the world. If I enjoy dancing, I'm going to get back to that. I enjoy being creative. And so what am I going to be creating in this season of my life? Yeah. And so what I realized about myself is that I am a student of the world. Yes. But a large part of my identity, I believe, goes into defining myself as a storyteller, which was something that I really came to embody in this past year since getting out of college. And I'd always done that. And I think now looking back at my majors, I was always working towards defining myself that way. But I had so many other defining roles in my life, whether that was daughter, sister, friend, student, that I didn't think of myself in my essence of I'm a storyteller and that takes on different platforms. And my storytelling specifically uh, is on fire when it comes to telling the stories of women and highlighting those those lesser told stories. But that's something that I don't think that being a college student, I gave myself a knife time to explore. I feel that because I feel like especially when it comes to capitalism and the society in which we exist, especially in the U.S., we are pushed more to think about how our larger identity can contribute to our career rather than how our career can contribute to our larger identity. Because I even feel myself, and I haven't even technically began my job yet, I feel sometimes compelled rather than, hi, I'm Jamie, I'm an English and writing double major. I feel compelled to introduce myself. Hi, I'm Jamie. I am a copywriter, coffee editor, and web content producer. It almost doesn't feel complete, and it feels strange how incomplete it feels to want to introduce yourself by your job title, because there is this compulsion, especially when you walk off the stage from graduation and into a desk, you want to replace that major introduction with that job title introduction. And maybe that feels a little bit disjointed. At least it did for me. That's so powerful. I love the idea of the way you put it in that we try to replace our 
major with our job title. And so, yes, certainly, I think that especially in American culture, we have been taught and groomed to think of ourselves in terms of our work. It's wrapped up into this ideal of the American dream and the fact that if you can work hard enough that you can achieve some pre-identified level of success and comfort. Mm-hmm. I think something that helped me step out of trying to define myself with my job title is that I didn't feel connected to my job title. I think it's something that I'm still growing into or maybe something that just doesn't fit me. Uh, that's mm-hmm. something that I'm working through as a human in the world right now. But my job title officially is community engagement manager which in Mm. itself is not a usual title. So even when I would introduce myself at work events or industry events as, oh, I'm a community engagement manager at this nonprofit, I would have to describe what that is anyway. Funny enough, having a strange and unusual job title helped me have to think about myself outside of my job title. In addition to all this job talk, because like I think you and I, unfortunately, are people that have had a uniquely smooth experience with finding jobs, because for those of our listeners who don't know, Miranda was sitting on three job offers before she came to the one that she currently has. There are a lot of graduates who either spend time in between their walking off the graduation stage and finding that desk, or maybe are currently in that place where they don't know where they're going next. Or maybe even people who are walking into a job that's not exactly what they pictured. Yeah, I can speak to that. Yeah. So I consider myself so fortunate because I didn't have to go through that season where I didn't know where my paycheck was coming from. And Mm -hmm. so I recognize the multiple levels of privilege that are there. Uh, I recognize that I worked hard and I really set myself up and my last semester of college so that would happen. And I, I did have three job offers and that was really overwhelming in really great ways, but also really hard to feel excited about and to celebrate when so many of my classmates weren't in that situation. I have classmates currently a year out who still aren't in jobs related to what they studied in school. I will say that I took a job that wasn't my dream job, whereas I think some of my classmates who maybe haven't found that role weren't willing to settle. And that's something that every person has to define for themselves. Uh, I wouldn't say I settled for my job. I stepped into a manager role as a fresh graduate, mm-hmm. and that's huge. And it was a nonprofit, which is where I truly wanted to be. So in a lot of ways, it fit what I was looking for. But it also wasn't necessarily the mission that I thought I'd be working for. So I was willing and open to opportunities that didn't immediately look like my dream job. So that's a piece of advice to individuals as well and recent grads. It's be willing to take a job that isn't perfect, right? Because no job is perfect, especially as we were talking about identities being related to work. No job is going to fulfill anyone completely. We're complex beings. I, I was willing to take a job that wasn't perfect in whatever sense of that word and 
willing to take it for the opportunity to grow, to network, to learn, to leverage my skills. I also think that there is this piece of it, um, not even just for recent grads, but just for like a lot of young people, that we mm-hmm. feel like there is this pressure, especially with what we've seen in previous generations, maybe looking at our parents, that people in our lives, especially like role models and stuff, have been in the same field or perhaps even the same job or company for the entire time that we've known them of existing. And maybe we feel this pressure that this job that we take and that this direction that we're deciding to go in is going to be the permanent fixture of our lives as adults, that now we're deciding to be grown-ups and that when we decide to be a grown-up now, that this is going to be how we're going to have to do it forever. I think the world where someone has the same job for their entire life is gone. And people can blame that on millennials or Gen Z all they want, but corporate leaders defined that for us in a lot of ways, especially thinking back to the 2008 recession. I was young, but I saw my dad get laid off. His industry got completely changed because of it. Since 2008, so we're talking more than 12 years ago, Mm. my father has not stepped into a full-time role at a company that pays benefits, uh, offers 401k. All of his work has been contract or gig work that happens to have full-time hours. Mm. And so our economy did away with longevity in one organization just as much as younger generations are blamed for doing that. And that's something that I feel really passionately about because if we look at the minimum wage, if we look at the average salaries and the way in which the American dollar now does not have the buying power it did when our parents or their parents were staying at jobs for 20, 30, 40 years, it's not sustainable to stay at one company that doesn't pay fair wages for 40 years. That's not realistic. Especially because I even, I was talking to an older family member of mine about how um, the economy might function post-COVID because all of the recent grads after my year are probably going to be competing with people who got laid off because Mm. of the COVID crisis. And this older family member said, well, those people who got laid off are going to be also competing with your generation because companies are going to pay you guys less. And my first thought of that was, um, I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if people can be paying us less (laughs) because I think that we're already scraping the bottom of the barrel with, with what they're offering recent grads. I mean, some people are working for free, like we're talking about post-grad internships, which are a thing that have surfaced in recent-ish years, like I would say maybe the past decade, five years, that a lot of places are hiring people post-graduation into internships where they're not getting paid. Yes, or, or the idea of fellowships, which is a step above an intern with the same compensation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thinking about the way that our lives functioned as students um, and thinking about the way that we tackled our workload, thought about our assignments and the balance of our lives. What do you have to say, I guess, about work-life balance and setting boundaries as someone who is new to an industry or a company? Yes. So, Jamie, you know me well, and I'm huge on setting boundaries. (laughs) 
If someone says the word boundaries, uh, Miranda will peek her head around a corner. <laughs> She'll know. Yes. And I feel so passionately about it because boundaries are self-care. And mm. we can't ask people to respect things that we don't ourselves respect. And especially when it comes to how we manage, share, and sacrifice our time. Time is such a luxury, especially in the digital age where we're so accessible to everyone and everyone is so accessible to us. So one work-life balance is a lie uh, because nothing's ever balanced. You're never going to spend equal parts with your loved ones and in your personal life as you will with work. That's the math doesn't even make sense. We spend eight hour, eight of our working hours at work and I'm sorry, who sleeps eight hours and actually gets a third of personal time that's not impacted by just responsibilities or even just our work commute. Mm. Um, so work-life balance is a lie. However, boundaries are real. And if you respect your boundaries, other people will. So for me, one of my biggest boundaries and one that I was clear with, even in my interview process, is that I observe the Sabbath. So that, for some people who might not know, uh, with my faith, I believe in resting from Sunday on Friday night to Saturday night. And so that's a full 24 hours where I disconnect. I don't work. I'll often step away from my phone or have it less accessible to me. I don't check work emails. I'm very intentional about preserving that time and using it for the things that are important to me, including my faith and commuting with people I love. Mm-hmm. And that specifically was a struggle when looking for work, not because employers weren't equal opportunity and intentional about honoring that and respecting that. I thankfully, in all the offers that I had, people were very understanding and respectful that that was my faith and that's something that I did. However, it's so rare for someone, especially as young as I am, to be so convicted of something like that. Uh, But my employers respect it because I respect it. So the day that I start answering work emails on Saturday or Friday night, people are going to keep sending and expecting me to answer work uh, emails on a Friday or Saturday night. Now, something that's a little more applicable to the world uh, and people who maybe don't keep the Sabbath or have a specific day to do that the way I do is that I set clear boundaries about when I will work. Or not even when I will work, but when I allow myself to be accessible to my employers or people who need something of me. So salary being salaried is a trap a lot of the time. You are expected to work 40 hours. The reality is that you often end up working more. Even if you're going to continue to work past a certain time, Stop replying to emails past a certain time. Allow yourself the opportunity to rest, whatever that looks like for you, whether that's saying, I'm not going to check work emails as soon as I wake up in the morning or after 6 p.m., you know, I'm going to give myself an hour for dinner where I allow myself to completely disconnect from my work. Everybody's going to figure out what works for them. And for people who love to work and don't mind it being their life, they may need less downtime than maybe someone like me does. I feel like I've learned a lot from you in terms of boundaries because 
because for a really long time, especially in college, I was the type of person who almost thought it was like a haha funny thing that I had no boundaries at all with my work, with like anything that I was doing. Like I remember saying to you, oh my God, my professor emailed me at one in the morning and I hate the fact, not just that that happened, but I responded. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that the one of the things that I'm learning from you, um, because you were somebody who had those boundaries even as a student, and what I'm learning is that if there's ever a time to establish those boundaries, it is when you leave college and putting yourself in this new space with all these new people and telling them what it is they can expect of you. Absolutely. And here's the thing. I think that people also overcomplicate boundaries. So for me, Sabbath, I have to communicate to an employer because it would be disrespectful and dishonest of me to not tell them going in that I am willing to work and be salaried and understand the uh, caveats with being salaried and the fact that sometimes it's going to take me more than 40 hours without being honest about the fact that 24 hours are completely off limits to them. However, there are other simpler boundaries that I set in my life that I don't necessarily communicate. I just live by. So for me, I don't reply to work emails until 8.30 because that's my start time. That doesn't mean that I don't look at work emails. Obviously, I will, I'm a person who will check my work emails to make sure that nothing is needed of me before then. But if it can wait, it will wait. And that's not something that I say to my coworkers, but it's something that I live by because mm-hmm. the moment that I start answering work emails at 6 a.m., people are going to think that it's okay to need something of me at 6 a.m. Yeah. I'm up at that time. I might know what's waiting for me in my workday, but people won't hear from me until my start time. And so that's a simple and hopefully more applicable way of looking at boundaries that doesn't require anyone to make this huge statement about their life. Sort of transitioning from this as well, that whole productivity thing where, you know, it might take more than 40 hours. I feel like that is a little bit reminiscent of the college experience, even though, like we said, not everybody who is listening is probably going to be entering a career right away, much less a salaried 40-hour position somewhere. With this whole productivity sphere, because I know that you and I are both people who value productivity and value our ability to get things done and do work that's meaningful to us. I have experienced, and I would love to hear your perspective on this, because I have not started my position yet. I have less than a week until I start, but I haven't started. And in this past like week that I have been a graduate with no work to do, I have been feeling two things. First, the need to give myself these weird fake assignments to complete, like feeling as though everything needs to be an assignment. Like, oh, I'm working on a short story. That's an assignment. I'm working on my podcast. That's something I have to finish for for this. Feeling like it'll give me the same kind of payoff that it does to hand in a paper for school. Um, And then the thing is, is that it never does because that's not the same thing and that's not how life works. And the other part of that is this ticking time bomb feeling that probably follows a lot of people post 
any kind of school, because we are both people who have been students for most of our waking lives, or all of our waking lives. Even during the summertime, with all of our lovely honors classes, we had summer assignments. And I feel as though I'm forgetting about something. It's this weird, like, like if you've left the house and you know you're forgetting something, but you don't know what it is. And I feel that all the time. And I'm realizing that part of the reason that I'm feeling it is because I don't have homework, even though my brain is telling me I should. (laughs) Can you speak to that and maybe how that has affected you? If you've had that feeling, does it go away after a year? Do we live with it until we're in our (laughs) forties? What is it? (laughs) Uh, So I can't tell you if we live with it into our forties. I I'm not there yet, but I do think it's something that stayed with me, but I leveraged. So I completely relate. I remember vividly during the summer waking up in the middle of the night and feeling like I had forgotten to submit a paper, but that before I had went to bed that day, I was still thinking about a, uh, piece of media that I had seen specifically a Netflix show and how I could write a paper about representation and how I should submit this and so I still I still struggle with that and that was something I certainly struggled with more soon after graduation but tip with that is that that's not a bad thing. Hopefully you won't wake up in the middle of the night. And for me, that did stop once I tried to push it into areas of my life where it would actually benefit me and not torment me. Yeah. Um, So I give myself homework assignments at work. And Hmm. I think of a lot of my work in terms of projects and setting clear deadlines, because that's something that doesn't need to be lost, right? In any workplace, we're going to need to be able to meet deadlines which in college you might think of as due dates and be able to meet them in a way that we're proud of what we're submitting at the end. Yeah. And so my biggest advice there is just use it to your advantage and allow it to drive the work you do that timelines and deadlines are relevant for. Uh, I did stop assigning myself random homework assignments. Like I said, that summer, shortly after I was thinking about every piece of television and movie that I saw in terms of, oh, what paper should I write? How can I look at this through this communication theory lens, right? And started taking the habits that drove those behaviors and and using them at work or just in other spaces where I needed a push to be the most effective person I could be. That is such good advice. And what I'm hearing is that all of life is a cycle of homework and we just have to <laughs> learn how to best use that to our advantage. <laughs> I also wonder if we're wired this way as two individuals who would be professional students if we could be and are also looking at a future where we will likely go to grad school. So it's yes. possible that this is just an us problem and not a worldwide problem. Yeah, <laughs> that is definitely possible. Although I have seen like memes on the internet of people waking up or like having a sinking feeling in the middle of the day or something like that, thinking that they forgot to submit a homework assignment. So I don't think it is just us, but I think maybe <laughs> we feel it very intensely because we are people who are very good at school. I'm, I'm not even going to try and lie or anything. We're both 
very, we were both very good students. I said, I had the urge to say we are very good students. And maybe that's true because we were very good students of life. But in school, we were very good students. And I have also thought about this. And I wonder if you feel this way too, because I was a person who I really have tied a lot of my identity to the straight A's and graduating with honors and taking all these classes. And I take this many credits and in life and in even most jobs, I mean, you have performance reviews and stuff, but you don't get A's. Do, have you felt any of that um, resounding identity stuff? Yes. I think it's really hard to know if you're doing a good job in a space where no one's necessarily telling you anymore. Mm-hmm. It's also incredibly difficult to grow. Uh, So something that I struggled with was feeling very ineffective at my workplace and in life for not producing the way I once had or not having anyone tell me that what I was producing was good or bad or how it could grow. Uh, So it was difficult because, right, no one is going to give me an A on the email I sent out. But as someone who, because of being a student, is so used to assessment, I found myself breaking down my work into categories which I could grade. And for my industry specifically, something that is a huge way that we're measured is data and our ability to quantify our success. So working in social media specifically, it's are we getting more engagements than we did on our last post? How are we doing year over year? What's the conversion rate on this? However, those grading systems feel a lot more personal. Um, So I miss the days where my A only reflected the effort I put into one paper and only impacted me. Whereas It took me a long time to accept that my grading impacted my company's revenue or my company's brand awareness and these much bigger seated items. And so I don't think that's a hopeful message uh, for most people that everything's graded. It's just no longer in terms of letter grade. Yeah. And I feel like for you also, because you work for a nonprofit, that that um, return is very important. Yes. And I'm a one-woman shop, or at least I was for a majority. I actually recently was given an assistant, which is a great help, and I love her. Oh, my gosh, you have an assistant? (laughs) I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Uh, I had to fight long and hard and, again, use data in my grades to justify it. Um, (laughs) That's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, But all of that said... I implore everyone to stop thinking about their identity in terms of their ability to succeed and achieve because it's so bogus. Mm. I think that that was also a huge part of this past year. I struggled uh, with a lot of anxiety and depression. It's something that I've struggled with on and off for years, and it was only heightened during this past year because I no longer had external people telling me how good I was. Um, I didn't have a GPA to tell me that I had succeeded the past four months. And that really forced me to think about what what is success to me? 
Uh, For some people, that might be moving up the ladder at work. For others, it might be landing their dream job or a publication. Learning to define success outside of external variables is something that I'm working on and has greatly improved my overall well-being. And to go off of that, I feel like maybe this isn't a wildly relatable sentiment. Maybe this might be something, well, I know you can relate to it. And honestly, if people listen to this podcast, it's probably something that they're going to resonate with at least a little. But to go on a sort of more spiritual angle, we are people who are coming to and eventually realizing either slowly or very quickly that the workplace is not going to be the place that you are going to find all the fulfillment in your life because we are people like the the we as in me and Miranda on this podcast and the we of everybody listening are people who strive to find a more complete fulfillment whatever that looks like maybe even that means having a spiritual practice that makes sense for your life and also working on other things in your personal life. Because I know for me, at least, I consider myself an artist in my writing and my personal creative work, that I know that that is the place where I'm gaining a lot of my life's fulfillment. And that doesn't mean that this cool new job that I'm really excited about isn't going to make me feel super happy. But just I think looking at the fact that if school wasn't the place that all of your eggs were in that basket, then work isn't going to be that place either, even if you love your job. That's, yes. Me, I'm a huge person of faith. That's actually how Jamie and I kind of came to be much closer friends. We had known each other for years before then. (laughs) And speaking from that, one of the ways in which I define success is how much joy did I experience? Um, Because joy is just one of those things that can't be taken away from you. Uh, To me, joy is the ability to be in a terrible circumstance and still find happiness, still find good in everything, which I think is very fitting for your podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I learned to define my success and my fulfillment outside of work because I know that that's not the end all be all for me. For me, it's how did I add value to someone's life? How did I live out my personal mission statement today? How did I serve others? Um, How did I love people today? Um, And I found that filling my personal uh, cup with those things and defining my barometer of success by those questions allowed me to set aside the feelings that maybe work caused in me, whether I had a great day at work or an awful day at work, it didn't define how my day altogether went. I love that so much. (laughs) Yeah. I think the only other thing is understanding you belong. I think that's something that I struggled with and the fact that I'm, I'm, I was where I needed to be and I am where I need to be. Uh, I struggled for a long time as a person who plans a lot, who has a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and has always thought about my life in terms of the next milestone to understand how situations that didn't feel like they were contributing to those greater plans uh, were serving me or others and kind of feeling like, okay, I need to get to the next place. I need to get to the next place. Um, 
and also with being with having so many struggles at work there were times where I felt like it would be so much easier to just quit or walk away um and I challenged myself to stay for much longer than I had thought based on a month in and and it just and some rash feelings that I had (laughs) from being upset at work for a little bit everything all the awkwardness all the unpredictables all the struggles of not knowing who you are yet it it all serves a purpose and I believe it drives us closer to our individual purpose and so if there's a little nugget I could give anyone it's it's the fact that hold fast to whatever you're going through because it drives you closer to who you need to be that's amazing that's it I think I've said everything I needed to say (laughs) at least for today well thank you so much for being on the show I am so honored to have you Mm, thank you for having me I feel so good to talk about it and share about it I had told you I think the 20s is such an awkward stage and people don't talk about it enough and don't talk about how hard it is enough so I'm I'm grateful to be a voice for that thank you so much Thank you so much again to my friend Miranda for guesting on this episode. I am so grateful for your presence in my life as a friend and of course for your presence here today on the show and for the opportunity to collaborate with you on a conversation that I know is really meaningful to the both of us. If you love Miranda like I know you probably do and you're itching for more, I will link her Instagram and her YouTube channel in the description of this podcast. I highly recommend checking out her other content. It is wonderful. Thank you guys all for joining us today. I hope that if you're a fresh graduate that you can relate to some of this and maybe take something from this conversation, even if it is simply solidarity. Thank you so much. I hope you are having a beautiful day. Namaste.